How does my enmeshed relationship with my mother affect my recovery? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Tyler, um, can't wait to talk about it. But before we do, I have an announcement. Uh -oh. um, this is a huge. I'm, I'm always afraid of your announcements, Brandon. <laughs> this is a huge groundbreaking thing. Like this is amazing. But Tyler, in front of almost all of our siblings and their spouses, actually failed <laughs> right in front of us. He, he actually allowed himself to fail. The, the family hero. <laughs> that was it made a, my night. Uh, that was, it was a big, the greatest thing ever. That was a big deal, Brandon. I've never let you guys see me fail before. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I've just thought my whole life you've never failed. Yeah, um, exactly. I've been the perfect one my whole life, right? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah so, I, so I'm on this, we, Brandon, Brandon came up for the weekend with, uh, and I'm not for the weekend, just for a night. And we did like an equine assisted thing with my siblings. And then we decided to just go catch a bite to eat afterwards. And I was on, uh, I'm, I'm on a, I was supposed to be on a cleanse for my, the you're on the cleanse that I was doing and our wives got talking and next thing you know, yeah. Tyler's on the cleanse. I'm on the cleanse too. Yeah. And, and so yeah. I'm about halfway through the cleanse. And everyone, all the siblings want to go out to dinner and they go, happen to choose to go out to, to a dinner that I really, a, a place that I really like. And so I'm sitting there watching my siblings kind of get all their food and stuff. And I'm like, the inside of the inside of me is saying, Tyler, to be a good boy and to be the good example and to be the oldest brother, just stick with the cleanse and hold on to your pride. And, you know, and then I just thought to myself, today's the day. Like I'm breaking, I broke on the cleanse and I ate dinner with you guys and it was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great to see you fail. You failure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I actually really appreciated it. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I want you to succeed. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, but I appreciated your vulnerability and, and uh, I knew that place was one of your favorite places too. That's why I chose it. I was trying to get to fail. So. <laughs> well, well, it worked, man. It sounds like I need to surround myself with different people. <laughs> no. So. All right. Anyways, um, so Austin, are you muted, Austin? Yes. I was just. I was just. There you go. Yeah. Voila. Okay, Austin, you're here with us. So, uh, if you could give us a little bit of background um, and then ask away, ask questions. Sure. So. My name is Austin. Um, I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Um, currently, currently in recovery. Um, what brings me here today? My relationship with my mother uh, throughout childhood was very, um, I guess, very dependent on her happiness and emotional well-being. Um, and I say that because a lot of my memories that I can think of in childhood um, is a lot of a lot of her being upset with me, and a lot of me trying to get her to back to a point to where she was happy or where she was the most loving. Um, 
and a lot of what I experienced was the disconnection that I felt if I were to make a bad choice. So if I were to, you know, do something that, of course, she didn't like and she was upset with me, I would recognize her irritation or her um, anger with me and recognize that, like, okay, now I have to do something to gain her love back or gain her happiness back. Um, and I think that plays into a lot of the, a lot of the relationship that her and my father had. Um, I felt like I was always really thrust into the middle of their issues. Um, I can recall at, you know, the youngest age probably of like six or seven where they would get into an argument and one of them would threaten to leave. And when they would try and leave, I would of course get afraid. I would have this fear that I don't know if they're going to come back. I don't know if, I don't know what's going on. Divorce was always in the back of my head. And that really created this abandonment um, fear. And I found that, you know, trying to step in the middle of their disagreements and fights was kind of the role that I took on. And the role was, you know, if my dad wasn't able to make her happy, then, okay, now I'm going to, I have to step in and I have to like re repair almost their issues so that she's in a better spot. Um, and you know, that's, I see that that's been my role in that relationship for a majority of my childhood. Um, most recently there was some kind of betrayal on my mom's side <clears throat> to my dad. Um, and this was when I was still living at home. Uh, she had, you know, had some photos that she had hid from him and I was basically thrust into the middle of this. And, you know, I was like, at the time I was, you know, dealing with my own relationship and my own betrayal of my partner and we had done some work. So I had known, you know, some of that, some of the problems that can occur in betrayal. Um, so my dad was coming to me and asking me, you know, like all these questions because he was of course distraught. And I just remember like I was giving him tips on how to handle my mom. And then my mom came to me and told me like, I never did anything physical with anyone and just all this stuff that I didn't need to know. Like that's completely mm -hmm zero boundaries. And that was, you know, that's another big part of my childhood too. There's very little boundaries. Um, yeah, I guess just what I'm curious about is, and I kind of know from experiences with my fiance right now, but like how that relationship has shown me how to be in a relationship and how I can kind of get out of that cycle. 
Austin, uh, appreciate you sharing all of this. It's pretty vulnerable to share this stuff. I'm wondering if you could just expand. I want to go two different directions with you. The first one is, in your mind, in your day-to-day living right now, it sounds like you're in a relationship with a fiance looking at maybe getting married. Um, Not just in the context of that relationship, but maybe that one's the biggest one. What uh, what are the current day struggles that you're now facing or the patterns that you're now finding yourself in that you think are connected to this backstory that you just gave us? Sure. That's a really good question. Um, from what I see is I find myself trying to, like, for example, if my fiance gets upset and I find myself trying to get her back to this level of happiness. And there's been several times where she's had to stop me and say, Hey, I'm, this is what I'm feeling. And just because you, you know, do this and this and say, sorry, doesn't mean I'm going to be back to happy, joyous, bubbly me in 10 to 15 minutes, which is what I experience with my parents most of the time, mostly my mom. Um, you know, I could just say sorry and everything was back to normal. Uh, so that's something that I do struggle with and also wanting to keep my fiance happy, um, wanting to keep her happy in the terms of like, if there's something that she wants to do and I, you know, maybe don't want to do it or I have second thoughts about what she wants to do. I instead kind of make myself do it because I don't want to disconnect with her. I don't want to make her feel like I don't want to do what she wants to do. Um, and I don't want to make her sad. I don't want to make her you know, upset. I don't want her to be alone. And I think that that's, I know that there's a healthy amount of, you know, where we can both be, interdependent and like she can do her thing. I can do my thing, but I find myself wanting to be close with her a lot. And when I'm not, it seems like I'm, I don't know. Like, it seems like I'm not there for her, I guess. What, what does that mean? If she happens to not be happy with you what's what's the story inside of you that's going on and what's the actual emotional experience when there's that level of fear or disconnection what is that definitely the fear of abandonment fear of Mm -hmm. i'm not good enough and if she's not happy then she's not going to want to be with me and that she's going to end up leaving or finding someone else that's better or finding someone who can bring her constant joy or happiness. Um, I have a question for you, Austin. Um, going right down where kind of Tyler's going here. Um, if, if you get her, your fiance to, um, to, to, let's say she's in a good place. She's happy. Um, you know, you feel like she, she thinks you're good. You're happy. Um, and so you, you just feel good because she's happy. Is that love? I wouldn't, I guess from my experiences with this, I wouldn't say so. Um, I mean, because it's, that's just 
us feeling happy. It doesn't necessarily mean that loving actions are occurring. Yeah, there's a, there's a, when she's happy and that makes you happy, um, there's a kind of an exchange going on. You're, you're consuming um, her. There's, there's a, I need you in order for me to be happy. And, and with the, with the dynamic that you outlined with your mom, like that, that's a recipe for sex addiction and codependency. Um, I, I really like how you brought up interdependency, that need to please. I need to make sure that you're okay because when you're okay, then I can yeah. be okay. Um, but that need to please turns into, I need you. I need to consume you for my okayness. Um, and, and I want to back up a little bit, Austin. Do you understand how that enmeshment with your mother and that relationship dynamic with her leads to sex addiction? I partially can see the correlation, but I'd love to hear your explanation and why. Yeah. I mean, I want Tyler, I want to ask you when, when you have, when you do intakes or you have clients come in and they have some real strong enmeshment, um, to, to mom, um, or to both parents for that matter. Um, like I, I, I'll do intakes and I'll hear these stories of enmeshment and I'll, and I'll just, I'll, I can almost start to tell them and it led to this, this is how it played out. Right. So the, with the sex addiction, and I'm going to ask you, Tyler, how does that enmeshment to mom, how does sex addiction play into that? <clears throat> um, yeah, so actually this is a really good one, uh, Brandon. And Austin, I'd actually love for you to kind of fill in the gaps here on on where where I miss. But basically what I'm hearing you say is I need to make sure in order for me to be safe and think about this, this is a kid that's developing. The kid doesn't know any other way to understand the world. This is just how he sees the world is my primary caregiver is my mom. That, that represents safety security. So when mom's happy, I feel safe and secure. So the child, because they don't know other way to, to manage things is that when mom's not happy, then the way that I can try to get safe and secure again is to make mom happy. But that starts to form beliefs that then say, I'm responsible to manage other people's feelings just so I can feel safe and secure in the relationship. So now, because I'm not perfect and because I can't really actually control what the adults are doing in my life, it feels scary. It feels unstable. It feels insecure all the time. And in this case, what I'm really looking for from my mother is I'm looking for some nurturing. I'm looking for that actual like support that a child's looking for. And when I don't get it, I eventually have to go find it in other places. And some of those places are now paired with beliefs that I can't disappoint anyone. So I better not let them see where I'm going and think about what sex offers, especially what's promised to a child or a teenage boy when they start stumbling into things like pornography or their own sexual response. It offers satiation. It offers some version of nurturing and, and so it makes sense now, but now it's paired with also secrecy because I can't let down the people in my life that I need to manage their feelings on. And Tyler, can I so, add something to the mix of what you just yep. said? It's, it's, it's all the things that you just said on top of the pornography being very heavily, um, in a way it's fake. 
about a woman's pleasure, right? And so all those things, and then it's like, you know, women in pornography orgasm very easily. They're really pleased. They're pleased for a long time. And so here you are as a young child saying, saying the most important thing is that I keep a woman, my mother, happy. Like that's the most important thing. You go into the fantasy realm of pornography and it's, it's women being very pleased, right? It's very, being very happy and it's intoxicating because you found that, that golden goose. You found that thing that's like, yes, that's, oh. what I, that's what I ultimately want. That's not even sexual either. That's, like, that's, that's scratching that little boy's emotional itch of like, oh, security, safety. Like yeah. I've, found them, I've found the golden ticket. Yeah. Right. And so, and so it's so overwhelmingly, um, addicting because, because it's in a, in a fake way, Austin, and in a way that you can dial it up almost anytime. Consistently. Yeah. uh, You, you found that thing that, that, that you're not ultimately getting from mom that like, She's consuming you. She's using you. And you will never, ever be able to fully please her and, and take care of all her pains and all her needs and all those things. But a young child doesn't know that, right? So with, with porn, in a fake way, you can get to that ultimate destination for a split second, for a moment. And then, and then after that, how do you feel? After you act out and, you know, how, how do you feel, Austin, post acting out you know post it's it's that relief like tyler was saying it's like that emotional itch that was that needed to be scratched and it's just like all of the relief mm-hmm. comes at once and it's like you're I'm, I'm back at square one but then after that it just goes right back into it just continues on that shame cycle and drives you right back into guilt and shame and acting out again eventually so yeah it i'm not i'm not good enough i'm not good enough to to please to take care of a woman to i'm not and so now i need to go make my fiance happy and show her what a good guy i am or make my mom happy and show her what a good guy i am because i deep deep down feel horrible about myself you know which then leads to i'm gonna go get that need met in a fake way (laughs) Again, because deep down, I can I I always feel like a failure because I can't quite live up to what I should be. Right? Um, are you Are you relating to that? Austin? Yeah, I can. As me and Tyler are kind of going off, I here? can absolutely see, you know, the relation between all of that. I personally, I did use pornography for. I mean, the earliest time I remember is like at the age of thirteen, and that was. 14 years ago so i i've since stopped i've not used pornography for at least a year to a year and a half um i think that's right it could be almost two years now but you know i can see that correlation between the not feeling enough for anyone else and i know that that started with mom and started with you know the I can, I would also consider myself to be a people pleaser. So I can see where that kind of Mm -hmm. began as well of like, I feel responsible for everyone else's emotions and that I have to make sure everyone else is good before I am. And that, you know, if everyone else is good, then I can be good. Then 
I can be okay if everybody else is okay. Um, right. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that correlation, and especially you know, with my fiance as well. Like, if I'm if I'm okay, and if she's okay, then everything's okay. But it's got to be that she's okay first, and make sure that she's feeling okay. You know, if I notice if she has you know, a, a sad look on her face, or if she's not talking as much, if she's not being as vulnerable, I'm constantly like, hey, are you okay? Hey, are you okay? And it's always like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Instead of what I'm wanting is, you know, no, I'm not okay because this, and allowing me to, and I know it's not the right way to go about it, but allowing me to like kind of fix and I know that that Mr. Fix-It attitude doesn't do anything either because then it's trying to kind of force her out of that emotion and force her back to a spot to where it in turn gives me the ability to be okay so it's like a selfish way of trying to get her back to an stable emotional state right Austin, can um, I just ask you a question before we move on from this sure. a little bit? I'm just wondering, like, as you were talking, you know, you said basically you've got a 14-year-ish relationship with pornography. And I use the word relationship with pornography for a reason. Um, in all of those 14 years, how many times has it crossed your mind in that relationship with pornography that the reason that you were doing it is, is that you were trying to find and be enough and that you were going to, in, through some way, through fantasy or other things, that's what you were actually pursuing. I couldn't say any of those times until I was, you know, finally stepped away from it and finally worked on my own recovery and was able to see, you know, what I was actually feeling because it was so numbing. I think I think that's the that's the point that I really want to drive across to some of our listeners here is that most people don't even understand that it, I heard a quote one time that says many men go fishing all their lives never realizing that it's not fish they're trying to catch and and really what it's alluding to is is that most men want to go fishing because they're trying to find God or they're trying to connect to their fathers or something else but they never understand that because they're so hyper-focused on the fish. And in your, in your case, you're like many people, you've probably had a story in your head about what a failure you are and how terrible you are and how dirty and, and what a scumbag you are because you sexually act out without ever actually pausing to say, wait a second, there's a little boy in here that actually learned the very best he could to navigate the world he was living in because he didn't know what else to do to manage the emotions of the adults in his life and he happened to find a way out where he could learn to cope without causing a bunch of damage, at least in his mind, to everybody else. All he had to do is stay secret, hide, lie, and then go into fantasy and, and somehow get that itch scratched. Um, nobody thinks about those things until you get into recovery and start realizing, wow, this wasn't even about sex. Like this was about so much more. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. That's, I have a, I was just going to say that's very, that's a very 
deep way to depict that and that's very true um another thing i guess i just wanted to add into the mix is uh i think with with all of this on top of that um i'm also an only child and an only grandchild and an only nephew so on top of that it's <laughs> a lot of the pressure added on top of not being good enough and the secrets and like trying to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. I, I was, I was wondering about your family system and how many siblings and like right there. Um, the reason Tyler kind of chuckled cause it's like so obvious, <laughs> it's you know, obvious. The, the enmeshment with your parents and the pressure and the, I mean, I can't imagine Austin, um, you know, just being born into that system with so much pressure on you. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they probably doted over you and you were, you know, you were so important in all these things and, and all that's great. And you had plenty of attention and also, also you, you were used, um, in, in many ways. And I want to, I want to maybe shift gears just a little bit and then get at the, kind of the the heart of an answer right like how how do you address this and what can you do about it um i have a i have a good friend who is barely married still i would say um, has a horrible relationship um he is just doting over his wife all the time he's just just he will move mountains to make sure that she's happy he will he he never has his own opinions um, he's the definition of Mr. Nice Guy. If if you haven't read that book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, you should read that book. He's the definition of Mr. Nice Guy. And, and it's interesting because you look at him and it's like, man, I think anyone would love to be married to him. Like he'll, yeah. he'll do anything for his partner, anything. Um, I think it's good to be, a, be willing to do anything for your partner and sacrifice. Here's the problem. It's the intent behind it. And so his wife at this point kind of hates him. And it's really interesting because he's Mr. Nice guy, do anything for her. And she hates him. Why would she? It's because he's, he's a liar and he's fake and he's manipulative and he shows up weak with his masculinity and creating safety in that relationship with her. And so uh, you know, from, from the outsider looking in, it's like, wow, what a good hearted. And he is a good hearted, wonderful man. He is that his, his trauma and his shame and his fear run the show in his relationship with it, with his wife. And it's leading to divorce because he, he is lying to her. He is lying to her over and over again. And our partners in relationships, in, in building trust, they want authentic connection. Authentic connection has to happen in a, in a, a relationship where there's difference. There's conflict. There's, hey, I want A and you want B. I'm going to be honest with you that I want A. And I know that makes you comfortable because you really want B. Or you really see it this way or that way. I see it that way. And I'm strong enough within myself and I love myself enough to be able to say, I'm, I am absolutely okay with you being uncomfortable. 
And therefore I can love you as you're uncomfortable. I can empathize with you. I can see you. I can give you your space if you need it. Take your space. I'm okay. I'll be here waiting when you're ready, right? Um, you're mad at me. You can be mad at me. I want to listen to that. In fact, tell me more about how mad you are. I'm good with that, right? And it's that strength, Austin, that builds real trust, that lays the foundation for real love in a relationship, okay? So I talked. I'm talk, I said that we'd get to the, the heart of really what needs to be done in order to shift for you, Austin. I think that ultimately is at the, uh, that's what your question is, right? So I think, I think we've talked about the enmeshment. We're talking about the codependency with your relationship. So we're seeing kind of where it came from and we're seeing the fruits of it now. Okay. So how do you turn the tide on it? How do you actually start to heal it? Um, Tyler, do you do you want to chime in? At I all? do. I, I I do. I want to just I, I want to reemphasize a couple of of things you said just to make them crystal clear for our listeners. I'm having this thought as you were talking, Brandon, that you used the word intention. The intention. I mean, Austin, I'm actually hurting inside thinking of the little boy who has lived basically his entire life motivated by everything he does from a place of fear and shame. And too, too long and for, for too much of your life, you've had fear and shame in the driver's seat of everything you decide to do. And that's painful. I mean, I, I'm almost, I'm getting choked up thinking about the little boy who's had to make decisions from that place his whole life. Like that is, a, are you relating Tyler? Oh my gosh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, actually a lot. Um, that's a hard place to be because no matter what you do, even when you get it right, it won't be enough. And, and it'll still be wrong. And, and this goes back to something Brandon was saying, shame unravels connection because shame is void of love. And when this sounds backwards, because all you've really wanted as a little boy is that feeling of love. And all you've wanted is to be enough so that there is love. And if you're enough, then everybody's happy. Then there is love. And somehow that doesn't play out. And that's not how it works. So the real work here is understanding that I'm going to have to figure out how to move shame and fear to the back seat of the car and put something else in the driver's seat. And that's a hard thing to do when you've lived your life thinking that the only way you're good enough is when everybody else is happy. Um, but, but understanding that and being able to start recognizing, okay, who's in the driver's seat right now? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Because you're, you're the kind of guy who's going to be an awesome husband because you care and because you want to love. But the only way you can actually love is when it's your choice to offer the things you're going to offer instead of feeling compelled to so that you won't be rejected. That's the work that's ahead. So um, I don't know, Brandon, if you want to go over Austin, you have thoughts on that before. I definitely can see from both of your points of view as far as the the shame that's behind it, the fear that's behind it. Um, I do see that I do see in myself, you know, with the intention, I find that I've started to start doing things that are more meaningful for my fiance that I'm doing them just because I want to. 
and I'm not doing them because, like, I guess because I want her to feel happy. Um, like, you know, she's, she works a 12 hour, she works three 12 hour shifts um, as a nurse overnight each week. So she's, she works her butt off and she's always very tired very stressed out and overwhelmed and I found that I've tried to start doing things that are more helpful for her um, and I, I find like that in doing those things I feel I feel loving doing those things like you know just if simple things like filling up her um, cup for her before she comes home to you know rest um, leaving notes for her, um, just little, little things of love that I've found have kind of become routine. And I do see though that correlation behind the intention, because at some point there's that little voice inside me that's like, if I don't do this, then, then what? But I think it's more of like mm-hmm. me, me noticing in myself that I forgot to do something or that if I don't do something, then there's going to be questions of like, well, why didn't you do this this morning? Because you always have done this. And then it's going to be like, oh, I'm, I've been foiled or not foiled, but like found mm-hmm. out that I forgot to do something. Um, mm-hmm. but I can definitely say a lot of my, a lot of my past actions, you know, when I was acting out, um, a lot of it was like doing it to try to feel better about myself. And it was coming from a very selfish place, um, trying mm-hmm. to make sure that she was okay, that she was happy. But in turn, it was just like, want to make she make sure she was happy and okay so that I could be happy and okay. I uh, Austin, I think it, it it's a tricky thing because I think at your core, you're probably just a good-hearted guy. Like that and that's who you are and and that's authentic and that's real. So if you serve your fiance or somebody else for that matter, um, that could just be you being you, right? Like you, you showing Austin to the world. That's great, right? The problem is when there's an agenda and when there's, there's fear involved in why you're doing what you're doing. That's what, when we talk about intention, um, that, that's actually, that's actually not the loving kind Austin. That's not, that's, you're, you're, that's not a loving and kind thing. And, and I promise you as, as you get married and over time, if you, if you continue to, manipulate in that way to get love from your fiance, she's going to have this feeling of yuck. It's going to be like, ugh, I'm, I don't want you to serve me. You know what? Don't get me the water before I get home from work. I don't want it because, you know, there you are like, did you see that I did that? Did you see that I'm okay? Um, uh, so Carl Jung, he, he, in his philosophies on psychology, um, he talks about how, um, we're too like our suffering is, is, is outward in. So we're too focused on the outward. So what that means is 
we want validation from everybody else. We, we, me and Tyler call it be a poser. We, we step into our shame screens. We pose. We, we do all of these things. And what Jung says is the way, that, the way to healing is actually um, inward first. And so instead of trying to have certain boundaries with your mom or show up a certain way with your fiance or be a certain way, you actually need to really get to know yourself and, and to love yourself and get to know yourself well. And so there's these part, there's these pleasing parts of you, um, that are there and, and they've been ingrained in you for a long, long time. So what we don't want to do, Austin, is to hate those parts of you. Those parts of you are there and they've actually been really good at helping you survive in the systems that you're in. So that's awesome. Like good for them. They're beautiful. Okay? Yeah. And, and, and you want to like really get to know them and be conscious of them because a lot of them show up unconsciously and automatically. So it's like, oh, there's that part, like with my mom, I do that thing. And it, yeah, I, that's that part that really helps me look good to, to her. Okay. And it's showing up with my fiance now. Thank you, part. Thank you. I, I, I see you, but I want to start to bring other parts of me to the table and, and what Jung would say is, you can get to know your shadow. Um, you can love that part of you. And as you do that and become conscious of it, you can step into what you choose. Right? So a lot of this, what I'm talking about comes from, in, it's, it's a therapy called Internal Family Systems, um, at IFS. And I would really, I'd recommend that you go see an IFS therapist, Austin, so that you can take control some and rather than live in that unconscious and automatic um, reaction to the, the fear triggers, right? So um, am I making sense? Am I using too much therapy jargon here? I get where you're coming from um, as far as the – I'm familiar with Carl Jung um, that, you know, the getting to know myself more and getting to love myself on every level and love every part of me instead of depicting, you know, well, these are the good parts of me. These are the bad parts of me. This is the stuff that, you know, led me down the destructive pathways. And therefore those parts don't deserve the love, but instead of thinking it in that way, love all of it equally, just yes. move into yes. other parts of me that I can choose. Right. As a fiance, I mean, you're on the cusp of getting right. married, right? And so if you really get to know yourself well right now, you can step into that marriage and say, I'm really going to bring this part into that, into the marriage, like really nurture that part of me because, and, and, and Austin, it might be that part of you that's, that's more confident and, and that natural loving part of you that can, can hold space for her right? But still show up in confidence and boundaries. Okay. I'm going to bring that part into the relationship more than this part. That's really good at trying to manipulate somebody into seeing me as good. Right. But we need to love that part of you in order for you to choose what part you want to bring in. Right. Right. So, Tyler, any thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, so, so I actually want to echo what Brandon said. I, I do think something like IFS would be a really good therapy choice if you're going to go see a therapist. And in the meantime, on the day to day, 
every time you find yourself in that place of doing something for anyone, your fiance or anyone else, and you happen to have that feeling of fear cross through you, I'd stop and I would just do a really quick exercise. And I would just first and foremost, acknowledge the fear. Notice where you feel it in your body. Notice what the storyline is around it. Acknowledge what the storyline is. And then access a little piece of love and compassion for yourself and say, okay, that's, that's that part of me like Brandon's talking about. That's, that's the fearful part that learned a long time ago to try to manage people's feelings. Or maybe you recognize it in your language, your language today, there was a lot of it in your language. Like I need to make her feel this way. All right. You know, there was like, there was this, when you start recognizing that language, you go, Oh, that's the fearful part of me. Um, I'm going to meet that with compassion and love first. And then I'm going to allow myself to make a different choice. Yeah. So, so that's the day to day kind of grind work that you can do for yourself. So like in my, in my situation, mine was shame. Like, Oh, Tyler, there's your shame. Okay. The truth is, is everybody feels shame. Sometimes you're human. It's all right. And there's more to life than shame. Like you're a work in progress. You're a force for good. You can make your own choices and then make a new choice, whether it's an act of self-care or maybe it's still the thing you're choosing to do, but now you're doing it from a place of I'm choosing to do this because this is the person I am instead of I'm doing this so that so-and-so will be happy with me. Um, so now what you're doing is, is you're just now living with new intention instead of letting the autopilot just carry on. And uh, that would be just kind of maybe a suggestion for the day-to-day -day sort of grind work that you have in front of you. Okay. Austin, Austin, I want you to answer the questions for me. Um, and I want you to give me two answers. And they might be the same, but I want you to tell me what your head says. And I want you to tell me what your heart says. Okay. So are you responsible for your, your mother's okayness and happiness? My head, head says, say? hell no. Yes. <laughs> Love it. And <laughs> what my heart, heart say? says, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So the, the, the way that you, so what's the way that you actually start to live what you believe in your head rather than what, what you've felt for so long? By, I think more internal self work and that heart work and like working on my yep. actual soul, like soul work, so to speak. And what I truly, yep. one, what I truly believe and also what my real values are and that, you know, while I may value helping other people, it doesn't mean I put myself last. I have to put as our, uh, it's funny you bring up the, the internal family systems therapy, um, not to go off on a tangent, but the, I'm actually in counseling with my parents. We have a counselor. Um, I don't know what kind of counselor, but, um, mm -hmm. in that I've found that kind of inner, inner self coming out in those sessions and telling my parents like, no, this isn't, I'm not going to, you know, be okay with this sort of behavior and setting those boundaries with them and 
the the like bounce back that I get from them during the sessions is just it's it gets to be very tiring and very overwhelming. Uh, yeah. But I guess what I was getting at is what that counselor had said was instead of you know pouring from a full glass you have to give from the overflow so let the glass overflow of you working on yourself and you don't give any of that full glass you give what pours over so then you're never mm -hmm. never any form of empty yes Yes. You've been trained to empty yourself. Yeah. yeah right? I've, I've been, yeah. For way yeah, too long. I've been trained that, you know, if, if I can fill my glass a little bit, I can pour it out and try to keep giving even when I'm on empty. And that's where that yep. pain and fear comes from. And all of the feelings that I feel on a day-to-day -day basis when trying to trying to give constantly. I hope you, you know that it's okay to go through a process of anger, uh, <clears throat> a process of, you know, if, if you really look at this and your mom and dad didn't mean to use right. you, um, but you've been used. And so when you acknowledge that it might piss you off a little bit. Um, and for you to allow yourself to feel that grief, part of the, part of the grief to coming to terms with this is, is the anger part of it. And for a time, you might need a certain type of relationship with your parents that as you walk through this and, and really become an adult, Austin. So um, I, I think that you're, you're a courageous guy who's willing to do this work. A lot of people would just be stuck in the consequences of this. And you're saying, uh, uh, like, I'm going to, I'm going to face this. I realize that this isn't healthy. I don't want to repeat these patterns with my fiance and with my own kids. And so I'm willing to step through the hard stuff so that I don't repeat these patterns. So I really appreciate your strength, Austin. I'm feeling it from you today. Um, Tyler, any last things you want to say? No, man, I, I've never met you before in my life, but I'm, I just want to say that I'm proud of you and the work you're doing, man. You. Like to be on the verge of a, creating a new marriage, to be working your own personal recovery of your own fruition, and then to be going into the depths of those places and actually even being willing to include that your parents in that process. Dude, everything you're doing is screaming courage. And for a guy who's lived in fear his whole life, like good on you, man. Like way to go. Um, you're You're going to find yourself in the right places because of the, the way that you're choosing to live your life now. And, uh, and I just want to say that I'm grateful that you were willing to come and put yourself out here today. You're going to, you're going to help people as a result. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you. Austin, Austin, uh, awesome. Austin. <laughs> um, I just want to say, you know, maybe we could have you back in a little while and just see how you're doing and see, this is a process, right? This isn't a one-time conversation and all these things go away, but it's a process of, of facing your fears and practicing courage and consistency in it. And I'd love to see how things are going in a, in a little while. So maybe we'll check in with you yeah, and have you on I'd again. I'd love to come back on. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. You guys, um, thank you for listening today. Please share this. If you know anybody who's struggling with 
enmeshment, codependency, shame, um, this will be really beneficial for them. So don't be shy and please share this episode. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you guys. Thank Thanks. you.